Today's Local Lady podcast is brought to you by The Roasted Bean and Cuisine, located at 514 West Main Street, serving both lunch and dinner. All food is made to order and a party for your taste bud. My favorite for lunch is the turkey bacon pesto panini, and Friday nights is always a slow-roasted prime rib. Make sure you go check out Roasted Bean and Cuisine. Good morning, Riverton and Fremont County. This is Bethany Baldus with the Local Ladies Show, and today I am joined with Representative Tim Salazar from District Number Thirty Four. How are you doing today, Tim? Good, Bethany. How are you? I'm doing great. So, tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to Wyoming. I will, but first, I want to congratulate you on this incredible Local Ladies Show. I've heard so many people talk about it, and it's a real privilege to be with you this morning and, and uh, to share uh, with uh, your audience. A um, little bit about my background. Um, as you uh, have said, I uh, represent House District 34, which comprises Dubois, uh, Pavilion, uh, Kinnear, Jeffrey City, um, and a third of Riverton. And uh, I've been in the state legislature since 2016. Uh, it's been an incredib- incredible experience. Um, and uh, I've, I've very much enjoyed uh, the time that I've been blessed uh, in the legislature to help uh, my constituents. It's a pretty big district to have to, <laughs> mile-wise. So. It, it is a big district, um, and um, I will very much look forward to seeing in the new redistricting what the House looks like <laughs> after 2020. So, But it is, but... You know, in a big district like that, there's only one way to stay in contact with your constituents, and that's really through town hall meetings. And I've had six town hall meetings this year. I had seven last year and eight the year before. And um, they seem to be pretty popular. Um, and really, it's it's one of the very good ways legislators can um, use uh, as, a, as a means to, to stay in touch with their uh, constituents. Well, and I know um, from the... The people that I've talked to that live in your district, they'll say, I didn't get to vote for you, but I really like Tim Salazar. <laughs> so I've had that multiple times. So oh, that's nice I think you. that you must be doing your job to, to fit your constituents. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You were in the military. and Yeah, um, well, um, I was in the military for uh, 26 and a half years. I was an infantry officer, uh, was pl- deployed a few times, but... Um, I'll be honest with you, it was a great, great experience. I met incredible people, very incredible and brave men and women, and uh, quite frankly, I miss it. I miss my uniform, but we all need to move on. Um, it uh, showed me the world um, in India, in the Middle East, uh, Asia, um, South America, so it was incredible, and um I, I just I send kudos out to my wife for putting up with all the the uh, the, bo- the boxes that we had to put every three years to to move and but um, I I truly enjoyed my time in the military and I would tend to think probably that you as a veteran uh, had a somewhat of a similar experience and I, I just want to thank you Bethany for your service and putting that uniform on it's interesting less than one percent of the country's population actually served in uniform and as you know it's not only the service member who serves but it's the family and and the parents and the brothers and sisters the children the spouses and it's a sacrifice but it's um it's an incredible experience to um 
to be able to serve your country in that way. When I, um, I feel like after 26 and a half years, I felt this even with as short a time I was in, but it's hard to then get up every morning and be in control of your own life instead. <laughs> so I'm sure that that was some adjustment period afterwards. It was. I was looking for my uh, my uh, army boots in the morning after yeah. retirement, and they weren't there. But <laughs> no, it it's um, it's a part of your life that will always be with you. Um, and of course, everyone knows someone who's been in the military, and um, you know. Uh, deployments are tough, especially for your family. Um, we seem to be, uh, with this president, we seem to be uh, s- slowing down on our um, our requirements and, and deployments. But, you know, we still have Afghanistan. Um, I think we have close to anywhere from nine to 12,000 troops in Afghanistan, and uh, they need to be in our prayers and I know you have views on and on that issue, and and uh, rightfully so. So, but um, no, well, it was a good life. In the the um, Wyoming National Guard is sending out three hundred this year through six deployments, and so it's it's definitely a time to be talking about it at least. So I commend the president in that regard for sure. That at least he's bringing up hard conversations and wherever we go from there. Um, so. What, you guys, have you always been from Wyoming? Or? No, you know, be, uh, being uh, in the military, um, obviously you bounce a bit, about uh, quite a bit. Um, but uh, we we uh, settled, uh, our, our last settlement was in Washington, D.C. Um, but, you know, we had, I was in the military as maybe perhaps you were during 9-11, and um, that really changed our focus, particularly um, starting a family um, and, uh, so we wanted to, uh, move someplace after my retirement that there was an assemblance of, of, uh, safety. And, uh, so my wife, Shannon and I moved to Wyoming in 2010. We're big snow skiers, so we love snow skiing. And, uh, uh, of course, Wyoming isn't, isn't a citadel that nothing can happen, but at least if another 9-11 happens, uh, we'll have time to, uh, adjust to that. But, um, we absolutely love Wyoming. We love the people. We love the um, the season, um, and um, so we've been here since 2010. And uh, I have an 11 year old son named Josh, who uh, who very much likes Wyoming as well. Our our two seasons you're talking about, right? Right. Winter and construction. And construction. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then uh, what? And then what? kind of led you to running for office and that that part of your career? You know, um, I have, as, as some others do, I have a philosophy about running for public office. Um, I think that my personal belief is if you're going to run for public office, you should have a reason for running for office other than for your own self, other than um, building a resume. I think you need to run for office because you care about people and because you want to accomplish something for those that you would represent. And I was, uh, in 2016, uh, you know, I saw some of the, the challenges that our seniors were facing with regard to um, living on fixed incomes. And uh, I had a neighbor who was a single-parent mom with two kids trying to put food on the table, um, pay for child care, pay for prescription drugs, and then and still make ends meet. And so one of the issues that got me involved uh, in running for public office was the tax issue. 
um, I heard over and over again that the state legislature at that time, and has continued, is raising taxes. And I, I just, I don't believe that raising taxes does anything but hurt people. Um, there are necessities that, that we need, and the state has very amply been able to do that. But um, I, I take, for example, Bethany, the 65-year-old couples or older who are uh, living on a fixed income um, and they're be- below the safety net, and they're struggling to put propane in their tank to heat their home in the winter. One of the things that I co-sponsored, uh, along with others, um, was to give a tax refund to uh, seniors in that tax bracket um, that would come to around $650 a year for those who qualify. Now, that's not a lot of money, but I'll tell you, if you're in, those, uh, if you're in that situation, $650 is a, a month's worth of groceries or it's filling your propane tank for a month. That helps. And so those are the kinds of tax policies that I feel strongly about that we need to, to help our seniors. And, and that's one of the reasons why I ran for, for public office in 2016. I am not a professional politician. I have many other things that I <laughs> want to do in my life. But during the limited time that um, uh, the Lord has allowed me to be in this position, I want to take advantage of the time that I do have. You know, you talk about seniors, and I think one of the most fascinating things that's happened in my life is watching my parents try to retire. And it's, um, yeah. it you know, they, they don't have a lot. They have their house. And by golly, I think they should be able to retire in the house they want. But it is a struggle, and it's really painful to watch. And then to think where we're going and how much more difficult it's going to be for like my generation to retire. It's there, there has to come to an end, which sometimes somewhat comes out of your scope because you can only do what the state. No. And I think you raise, uh, you raise an interesting point, you know, in the state of Wyoming, Fremont County has, I think the largest population of citizens over the age of 65. Mm -hmm. Um, And so obviously that's a great, a, uh, very much of a of a concern that I have, but you know, at the state legislature, it's a matter of what are your priorities. You know, last session, we actually continued to fund two state l- jets for public empo- employees to use. That means hangar costs, fuel costs, two crews on standby, so so, so that our public employees can can fly to a meeting uh, across the state. I'm not criticizing our public employees. I'm simply saying that when it's a so difficult to to get six hundred and fifty dollars for a tax rebate for our seniors, but we can we, but we can fund fully fund two jets. Um, I mean that's that's not my priorities. That's not you know um, that's other people's priorities. So I think that there are voices needed in the state legislature that are um, in tune with really everyday needs of the citizens of. Uh, Fremont County and in specific Riverton. One of the things that I noticed when I was knocking doors in 2018 was a lot of people didn't realize that we had a um, Wyoming legislature and kind of some questions. So if you want to go ahead and tell us kind of what it is about and what you guys do. Sure. So the state legislature is comprised of, and I'm talking for those people that state government is relatively new. Uh, We have... um, uh, two bodies in the state legislature, an upper body, which is the state Senate, which comprises 30 individuals, and then a lower house 
um, uh, body, which is um, the House of Representatives, and that that has uh, 60 members. Um, And then obviously uh, the executive branch, which is uh, the governor's office, a judicial branch, uh, which is not only our Supreme Court, but appeals court and then district courts. Um, I happen, uh, I am in the House uh, as a member of the State House of Representatives, but um, each member then is is um, assigned a specific or specific committees, <clears throat> and I happen to sit on the House Judiciary Committee, which com- which is um, primarily focused on uh, the judicial branch, judges, but also a lot of very controversial bills come through the through the House uh, Judiciary Committee. I'll give you an example: the um, bills such as repealing the uh, the death penalty, uh, legalization of either medical marijuana or marijuana as a whole. Um, uh, many of our Second Amendment uh, bills come through the judiciary, as well as many of the um, pro-life bills. Um, so it's it's um, it's rightfully the number. It's ranked the first committee in the state legislature, the judiciary. Um, and if you're assigned to the judiciary, you are only allowed given one committee, that committee, because of the load. So, um, but it's uh, for those who are new to, to state government, it's really not um, complex. It's it's please don't be overwhelmed, or uh, it's it's a learning process for everyone to learn their state uh, government and and how it works. So. I do have to say, last year when I went down to session, it's way more exciting to watch the House than it is the Senate. You guys have a lot more fun, I think. <laughs> the House is a bit of a Donnybrook. It's kind of the the, the Senate uh, chambers is run with um, a great deal more of decorum, um, and the House is really uh, the people's body, the people's house. Um, you have more members. Um, we're elected every two years, as to po- as opposed to every four years in the Senate. And that was done, obviously, so that uh, a four-year senator um, perhaps may take the longer view of a particular issue. But the House, um, which is elected every two years, obviously needs to be strongly in tune with what people are thinking at the moment. And so there's a reason behind the, the difference in the two bodies. Sure. What are some things that you, um, you're working on right now for the next session? One of the, uh, first of all, one of the things that I uh, felt strongly about and continue to do, as I mentioned earlier, is the tax issue. Um, I voted, I did not vote for a single tax increase this year, uh, and I will not be voting for a, a single tax increase to next year. To include ones that were called other things other yes. than taxes. <laughs> yes, there's, the, the state legislature is very... Um, uh, smart in how they write bills, but you have to look at the fiscal note to make sure that there isn't a tax increase. Not all uh, bills uh, say tax increase, so you have to read the fine, the fine uh, writing. But um, uh, so some of the things that I'm bringing to the state legislature in 2019 is uh, a human trafficking bill. You know, we human trafficking, which is obviously targets our our uh, our children. And, and women, uh, unfortunately, is getting worse. And uh, what we need to do is, is what I believe we need to do is to continue the program of putting these perpetrators away who literally uh, kidnap our children and then put them into forced labor, uh, whether it be children, whether it be young women. And so one of the things that I want to do is provide 
funding so that in gas stations, restaurants, um, any place that uh, the public congregates um, or there is through traffic, um, we can put these small 800 number magnets and signs in 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 um, in these restaurants and and um, gas stations, so that those who are under duress, who may be um, uh, going through the state um, against their will, can at least reach out, have a number to reach when they're able to call and seek help. And uh, so that's that's very important. Another bill that I am putting forward is um, is a bill. Um, w- on, um, against um, sexual child abuse. Again, we've had some incredibly heinous cases in Wyoming uh, that'll break your heart. It broke my heart. Repeat offenders. Um, and also, you know, there's a, there's a challenge in some of our counties with regard to um, um, charging individuals, um, you know, you have to have forensic evidence. It has to be preserved. Uh, you have to have um, licensed and uh, educated individuals that interview ch- small children as to what happened. And so all that, unfortunately, t- uh, does take money, and it, it requires professionals who know how to treat children. And, of course, the other issue is um, testimony in... Um, in court, uh, sh- you know, um, right now, uh, a five or six-year-old child is required to give testimony in court against his or her accuser, and um, so we're trying. I'm trying to explore ways constitutionally that um, that that kind of uh, testimony could perhaps be given in outside of the courtroom. Um, I fully understand the constitutional rights of someone to um, face their accuser, and, and so it's a tricky slope. But, you know, we, do, we have to do something about um, child abuse because uh, sexual child abuse because it's, it's, uh, it's a horrible problem. And uh, so those are two things. Um, you know, another bill that I'm, I'm bringing is people are getting uh, these calls from phone numbers, oh. um, <laughs> 307, yes. you know, local calls. And then you you pick it up thinking it's your neighbor or, you know, uh, grandma in yourself, Gillette. Yourself sometimes. And, and you get this uh, voice from Singapore um, or you get someone from New York wanting to um, uh, sell you a new credit card. And I think that's, I think that's misguided. I think it's, um, you know, I th- we need to put an end to that. And so um, that kind of consumer safety issue is something that I, I feel strongly about and we should regulate in, in uh, Wyoming. So in your opinion, because I feel like also there's this idea, and I don't necessarily prescribe to this, that you have to be somebody special or important to run for public office. What What are your views on who should run and how they should run? You know who I think should run? Anyone. <laughs> That's who I think should run. Um, there is, you know, I, 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 next year will be my fourth year in the legislature. I can assure you uh, and, your, and your listeners that anyone um, can, can handle this job. If they have a concern for their, their, uh, their neighbors and their community, as you, as you do, Bethany, um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, the thought that you have to be in government 30 years and, um, and, then, and then you're ready to serve in, 
in an elected office is ridiculous. I, if anything, I think what we need in elected office are those individuals that perhaps have never served in public office before. Um, our, our spouses, our sons, our, our daughters uh, who have come out of college, um, you know, that, that, um, that uh, senior who has so much knowledge of life, we need, we need seniors in the state legislature. We, we don't need 60 millionaires in the state legislature. We don't need that. What we need are common sense folks in the state legislature who will speak for those who don't have a voice. And I think that's, that's what we need in the state legislature. Um, and then what, what's probably the most um, impact you think you've had in the legislature up to this point as far as getting something passed or stopping something maybe? Um, well, a couple things. Um, I was the chief author of Stand Your Ground uh, last, um, last year that became state law. Um, and as some people may know, Stand Your Ground is simply the castle doctrine, uh, only wherever you are legally able to be, uh, you don't have to retreat if, if you are being attacked by someone who you believe threatens your life, the life of your spouse, the life of your children. You can defend yourself uh, because retreating is a dangerous thing, turning your back on someone with, sure. a, with a gun or, or a knife. And stand your ground now makes it legal for you to be able to defend yourself. You don't have to be in your, the four walls of your home to do that. Um, obviously... Um, co-authoring uh, some of the amendments to the Food Freedom Act for farmers and ranchers to, to, to sell their products without uh, endless red tape from the state government. Um, uh, and I'll also, um, I, am, I am pro-life and uh, co-sponsoring, uh, I think I've co-sponsored almost uh, every pro-life uh, bill in the last four years. Um, and so... Um, and then finally, um, I guess education. I, um, I represent Pavilion and Dubois, small school districts. Uh, I didn't come to the state legislature to have small school district budgets cut. You know, uh, when we cut the state budget on education, that, that's, you know, that's a debate we can have. The problem is that in the smaller schools, we're disproportionately cut to a greater extent than, let's say, Cheyenne. Cheyenne can, for instance, um, uh, absorb cuts to two for two or three teachers. You know, in Pavilion or Dubois, there's only one second grade teacher. How do you you get if you lose your second grade teacher in those school districts? There's no one. There's no other second grade teacher. And so, one of the things that I feel strongly about is if we're going to talk about education cuts, they cannot hurt our small school districts particularly the ones in my district that I represent, uh, because I think that would just be a disproportionate cut. And so I, I think we have to have a thoughtful conversation with regard to um, education and how it specifically affects rural school districts in Wyoming. Well, Wyoming is so unique in that way because we don't, we don't necessarily have the alternative of other kinds of schools either. So we're pretty much, I mean, we have a couple here and there, but it's not like we have the big network of them that other places have. And so we kind of have to run things a little bit differently. Absolutely. And, and you, you, you hit it right on the, the head. And, you know, um, I have found that parents are slowly um, looking at all their alternatives. You know, if your school district is continually being cut, 
and cut. You, you have to ask yourself, you know, what alternatives do I have for my child who I want them to get the best education? Some families are actually going toward a, a homeschool situation. Um, uh, it, actually, um, in Wyoming, there is a, a pretty healthy homeschool um, uh, community in most of our counties. I know that in uh, Riverton, there's a very healthy homeschool uh, community. So, you know, we all care about our children's education. We all care about them having a better future than us. And I think that that can occur. Um, but we have to be, in my opinion, we have to be very careful how we um, how we cut education um, if we do it all. And uh, so I know that in the budget session coming up in 2020, uh, that's going to be a primary issue will be education funding and the education formula. Well, and um, I know that that was in conversations I had before when I was running. It was we've cut this much like we're going to be in trouble if we keep on cutting. So what are what are we going to do that's different? No, and I think you set the tone last year with some of your comments that were very insightful. And I, I think that I think that education funding is, is just not a simple you know, let's cut here. You know, the state is losing money. Uh, our our energy uh, uh, revenues have gone down. Um, the state has, in the past, relied on almost seventy percent of its budget from um, uh, mineral revenues. And you know, the price of oil, coal is down, means less money for the state. So we're having to make that up to keep the funding that we have had. Um, but again, you know, some of us, such as myself and others, think that before we start cutting or raising taxes, let's let's cut some areas in the state that, other than education. You know? Like a jet or two? Like what? a couple, <laughs> like a couple uh, jets that, uh, uh, state employee jets, and, um, uh, you know, um, and there's there's other areas. I know that the Department of Corrections is uh, looking at sometime in the future building a brand new state prison. Well, we're looking at easily half a, a billion dollars, and right now under the state constitution, that means building it in the same place we did before. Well, uh, as anyone knows, uh, the current prison is sinking because we didn't do our due diligence of where we built that prison. And so we just need to be smart with the dollars, the state dollars that we have and those dollars that come from the constituents that we represent. You know, it's intriguing. I don't feel like this is ever a twofold conversation when we talk about coal and oil. Uh, sorry to go back on this, but um, as those dollars leave our state, one of the issues that's happening is our men are leaving as well. Our families might be staying here, but how many families are affected by being a one-parent family because their husbands have to go to Colorado, North Dakota, and, and kind of figuring out ways to deregulate or other solutions that we can bring some of those jobs back to Wyoming is going to be essential. No, and you've been at the forefront of talking about that issue, about our husbands' uh, spouses leaving the state be- to find um, to find work. And... Um, I, 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 first of all, thank you, because that discussion needs to be brought out. We do need to have a discussion on that issue. But, you know, um, I, I personally believe that 
we may never see the 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 that industry, the energy industry, as we saw it in the mid '90s uh, again. And um, so we need to, we do need to diversify and figure out who we are for tomorrow. <laughs> exactly, and that's a discussion that we need to have. And but I am still very hopeful, as I know you are, about Riverton, about our community. You know, we the, we have an incredible community in Riverton, and. Um, we are a community. We are a close-knit community. We know uh, each other, and we care about uh, people, our neighbors, if they're sick. Or um, And so um, we, the economic development that we need um, in Riverton uh, is, is, is still an issue that I think we need to address. But, you know, uh, one of the hopeful signs, though, is um, take, for instance, what's happening in Dubois with regard to uh, the new military, uh, the National um, Military Vehicle uh, Museum that um, Dan Starks is opening. Um, It's an incredible museum. Uh, It's going to open next year, I think next May. Um, And it is going to be the premier museum in the world on military vehicles. And it really opens up a... um, a subculture of many people abroad who are so interested in um, in World War One, World War Two, and American history. I, I very much see many people from abroad coming in, using our Riverton Airport, uh, driving to Dubois, and obviously uh, they're going to stay a few days. They're going to uh, use the restaurants in Riverton and and Dubois hotels. That's the that's the small but steady growth that we need in our community to, to revitalize not only Fremont County, but, but Riverton and, and Dubois and, and um, uh, towns in my community. Well, and, you know, I, I also have to commend you on this. You're one of the uh, most of our political leaders in this community. You have supported the hospital, um, the medical district the most over any other. And I just really appreciate that because it's important to have your voice in that, in the discussions. Well, you know, healthcare is so vitally important to all of us. Um, but, um, and, and I, I really, um, I really support the, uh, the Riverton hospital districts and, and what, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, we've got to do something about the, skyrocketing cost of medical of medical bills and what we all pay and the only way in my opinion you can do that is through competition competition uh, sharpens the blade it makes services better but at the same time it 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 uh, puts a check on growing costs and i think this is a great idea to have that kind of competition in our community but more importantly you know if you're um, i have an 11 year old who has severe asthma and, you know, um, regardless of it, where we are in the community, I'm going to have to drive him either to um, Riverton first, but probably then to Lander. Um, and if, of course, if it's a, an emergency, uh, I'm going to have to air flight uh, to Salt Lake City or Denver. Whereas if we had a, a first-rate emergency room, a, a hospital facility here in Riverton, so many of our uh, citizens could be treated and cured and helped here without ever having having to make that that horrible trip while you're I- injured, either on a a, a life flight or um, a long drive to to land or so. And I know uh, Bethany that you have been on this <laughs> from the very beginning, and um, so it's I I encourage everyone listening to to really uh, take a look at what 
um, is trying to be done in putting a new hospital to in, in in Riverton, and um, I think it makes sense. And without raising taxes. Without, and it was <laughs> not, uh, in, in the, the funding mechani- mechanism for this is not to raise taxes, it's bonding, um, and uh, it's, been in other, it's been done in other p- communities in Wyoming, but... Um, you know, my interest is in Riverton. My interest is in, in the community that put me in the legislature and and uh, working for them as, as you're working for your uh, friends and community. Um, so it's really important. And I, I think, personally, I think it's going to get done. Yep, yep. I do too. I, I have good hope for it. And I've always been so proud of them that it's never even been topic of conversation to raise tax. That's rare this day and age. I know. Um, so... Kind of my wrap-up question is um, kind of, and since we can't forget about your Dubois constituents, so I'll extend extend this to you a little bit. Um, what are your biggest dreams for Riverton, Dubois, Fremont County? Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be legislative, but just kind of where you feel like we, the most exciting path for our future. To, to me, um, as a state legislator, um, you know, I, I, everyone, I represent House District 34, so my, those are my bosses. Those are the people who can hire or fire me. And for me, the most important thing is making sure that everyone who wants a job has a job. Um, you know, working is good. Putting food on the table is good. Having money to take care of your children when they get sick, that's good. So jobs are so fundamentally important, and that means economic development. And, but at the same time, uh, s- small businesses who come into Riverton Dubois Pavilion, um, they those um, owners uh, want to know that there's proper health care. They want to know that there is a hospital nearby, and so if we can bring a new hospital to Riverton, it, we can entice more businesses to come here. We have an incredible community. Um, and we have also an incredible tax structure in the state of Wyoming that entices businesses to want to come here. We don't have a personal income tax. And, and that, um, that alone gives us an advantage beyond just the mineral industry, the oil industry. Um, so my goal, to answer your question, is to do everything in my power in the state legislature, for num- so number one, to, to make sure that we have growing jobs. Number two, to keep government off the back of people uh, with excessive regulations. Um, you shouldn't have to, shouldn't have to go to the, the county seat or the state legislature or every time you want to do something. Um, you know, I think we're over-regulated as it is. Um, and obviously, um, to provide some type of protection for our families, um, a good education. So, um, you know, a, a state legislator uh, can walk and chew gum at the same time. There's a number of things that we can do across the board. Um, and then, um, you know, when, uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, as I say, I, uh, uh, I'm not a professional politician. I'm going to make room for someone else and uh, see if they can do a better job than me. Um, so, um, but those are, the, those are the dreams and aspirations that I have for our community. Today's Local Lady podcast is brought to you by The Roasted Bean and Cuisine, located at 514 West Main Street, serving both lunch and dinner. All food is made to order and a party for your taste bud. My favorite for lunch is the turkey bacon pesto panini, and Friday nights, 
is always a slow roasted prime rib. Make sure you go check out Roasted Bean and Cuisine.